0: Welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Caeti, And we're here with Jason Shoemaker, our stat man. So one thing that a lot of unions have difficulty with is membership engagement, right? I don't care what kind of union you are. I don't care how active your union membership is. Engagement is always something that unions strive to do better at. And, and I think the reason we struggle with engagement is because even our members don't always understand why it's good to be in a union, right? Exactly. You know, I do new employee orientation for Sikorsky Aircraft, and and I see the new employees coming in. Very few of them have union experience. Very few of them understand even what a union is. So, You know, it's up to us to educate them on that. So membership engagement is all about understanding why it's good to be in a union, what the union does for you. So let's talk about that today. What does the union do for you as a union
1: member? When you work in a non-union environment, it's basically the employer is the dictator and they set all the regulations, the wages, schedules, discipline, promotions, everything like that, and the workers have little to no say over it.
0: Yeah. So I I say it all the time, right? We can talk about, and we will talk about wages and benefits and all that stuff. But, but for me as a 30 plus year union worker, for me, it's about having a voice in the workplace. Me too. Right. It, it that, that's what being in a union Very is all important. about. So, so having that voice in the workplace and, and how does that manifest
1: itself? How do we have a voice in the workplace? I mean, together our voice is a lot louder and that's, I mean, that's the basis of a union. It's we're all in this together. We belong.
0: Yep, and and so with with a union supporting you, with a union protecting you, you have more confidence to voice your concerns yes. in the workplace, right? Um, but even beyond that, the structure of a union says that through the union, an employee has a say in negotiating workplace contracts, right? Yes. The union will will negotiate a contract that includes all those things, details about work expectations, wages, schedules, disciplines, promotions, all of that stuff, right? So we have a say in that as workers um, through our union, through the bargaining power of our union. So bargaining power and having that voice in the workplace is a really important thing. Um, Wages are obvious, I think. That anyone who who thinks about union work understands that union workers make more money yeah. than non-union
1: workers, right? And we get our raises on a regular interval instead of, oh, you have to go ask the boss for a raise. Or, you know, you're hoping to get a, a review this year and get a raise. But when you have that contract, it's set right, right in there and... You get the raise when the contract says. Yeah, yep. and on,
2: on average, union employees make thirty percent more than non union workers. That's amazing. It's and and from from what I read, it's to the tune of like two hundred bucks a week. Yeah. So yeah. you think about what what you pay in dues over the course of a year, you're making that back. Yeah, two hundred dollars a week is help me with math because
0: I'm not terrible with math. That's uh, times fifty two is that's like ten grand. Am I wrong?
2: Jason's got his calculator
0: out. <laughs> that's like, I think, like ten thousand dollars
1: a 10, year. Ten thousand four hundred. Yeah. yeah,
0: ten thousand dollars a year more because you're in a union, and that's on average, right? That's yeah. the average wage increase f- for being a union member. Um, so here at Local 1150, I can tell you that we're above that average, right? So yeah. we're we're making more than the average union worker in the united states we're on the high end of of that calculation so um 30 more 200 bucks a week more on average wages are just higher right because we have that bargaining power because we can go and and like vinnie said we don't have to ask for raises the the union negotiates raises into our contract so so let's talk about us at local 1150 at sikorsky aircraft we get annual Wage increases. Yes. Right? General wage increases. Yes. And we get periodic bumps in our pay every 15, 15 weeks. Right? Yep. So every 15 weeks, we, we make more money.
2: Yeah. Yep. Another 10 cents.
0: Yep. So we don't have to go to the boss and say, hey, I'm doing a great job. Uh, can I have more money? But that does happen too,
1: right? People get merit raises yep. where we are as well. And Do we like, also have a way to get promoted to make more money based on- your seniority, and how well you do the job. Yep.
2: Sure. We've got job descriptions that lay out the path of progression for people to get promoted and ranges for people to be paid for the different jobs that they do. So it's all very well defined.
0: Yeah, really important for people to understand that, right? Because if this is the first job you're coming into, it, it's not like this everywhere, Yeah. right? You're, you're likely going into another job, and you're going to do that job for the rest of your career, there, however long that might be, right? Is it is it a year? Is it two years? Is it five years? Is it is it a career job, right? But you, your opportunity for advancement in a non-union job is not what it is in a union
1: yeah, job. Absolutely.
0: So, what else? What else is is an obvious advantage of union membership? So,
1: something I I'd like to touch on as well is um, we have a certain level of workplace democracy. We elect our representatives in the union, in our executive board. We elect our stewards, and I think that's an important thing that we have that in other workplaces don't have. Just the fact that we have
0: representatives, yeah, right? And, and yes, we have a voice in who those folks are that are going to represent us.
2: I think on a basic level, one of the, the main differences is that when you're in a union environment, you're protected by what's caused just cause. They can't fire you for just any reason versus a non-union environment. You're an at-will employee yeah. and they could just decide today that I don't like you and you're gone today. Pretty much.
1: And yep. any job now that doesn't have a union in all 50 states is at-will. Yep. So our security and our power is derived from that. The at-will thing is is something
0: to really look at, to really explore, because I don't think people think about that
1: no they don't I when, don't think so either
0: right when they come into a job they don't think about the idea that they're protected automatically from day one they're protected just by that concept by the idea that in a union environment the employer must prove just cause must yeah. provide just cause for letting someone uh, go
1: really at day 90 uh, well right <laughs> uh, in, uh,
0: under our contract yeah it's it's day 90 Right, yeah. You complete 90 days of employment, and you're
2: no longer an at-will employee. Yeah, I mean, we could get lost talking about just cause for yeah. days, but one of the most important aspects of that is they have to treat everybody equally in terms yeah. of discipline.
0: And we, we talk about that all the time, right? One of the things that I say to new members is, listen, if, if you break the rules, that doesn't mean that you don't get in trouble, Right. The union's job is not to get you out of trouble when you get yourself into trouble. Yeah. So if you violate the rules of the company, if you don't uphold our end of the bargain, as far as our collective bargaining agreement goes, you're going to get disciplined. Yeah. Right. And and then our job changes. Our job as a union becomes making sure that the discipline you do receive is fair and equal and consistent with yeah. what's happened in the past. Yes. Yep. Right. So that it's not necessarily our job to get you out of trouble, no. but it's to make sure that the company disciplines you fairly and, and equally. So for me, health care coverage is a big thing. Absolutely. And, and union workers across this country have
2: more access to health benefits than non-union workers. Yeah. So 92 percent of union workers have job related health coverage versus about 68 percent of non-union workers. So that's, that's
0: amazing. Right. And, and for me, even 92% of union workers is low, right? So there's 8% of us that don't have job related health coverage. Um, I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure how a union worker would not have access to health coverage, but that's a discussion for a different day for us to explore why that is, but maybe part time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, good point, only 68% of non-union workers have access to to health coverage. That means that 32% of non-union workers in this country, which by the way, is the the larger group of workers in this country, 32% of them have no access to employer-provided health coverage. And, And when you think about things like hospitalization, prescription drugs, that's impossible to live with right? Prescription drugs alone. I know yeah. people who are on medications for debilitating diseases and these medications cost 20, 30, $40,000 a month. Damn. Right. So it's crazy. So those folks, those 32% of other workers, that's not even a choice, right? If you're that person who, who has a $40,000 a month medication bill you're not making a choice yeah right there is no choice to pretty much if you don't have coverage you're not getting that medication there's no one i know who has a job good enough to sustain that kind of of bill yeah so you're out of luck right and and you have this debilitating disease that you're you're at the mercy of that disease now so for me this might be the the biggest tangible benefit yeah Right, to being a union worker. And most union workers can cover family members as well. This is something that is not well known, but a lot of those non-union workers who do have access to health coverage, they're not able to cover their families under their plan. This is only a plan for the employee themselves, right? And not in every case, but in, in some cases, they're only able to cover themselves and that leaves you know spouses children uh, domestic partners out in the cold right out to to figure it out for themselves so this is a big issue the the access to health coverage is a really big issue for unions um, and it's it's a big one for us at, at local 1150 it's something that you already heard Rocco on a previous episode of the podcast talk about that that health coverage even though we're a union with health coverage through our employer we're trying to do better right we're trying to get a better plan because we don't think our coverage is is up to where it should be so something i think that we take for granted as union workers and especially i think as sikorsky aircraft workers because um the factories that we work in are healthy and safe by yes they are Right. So health and safety is a really big issue um, and, and a really big difference between union and non-union. You know, yeah. if you think there aren't sweatshops in the United States, you're wrong.
1: There definitely are. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There are sweatshops in the United States and, and none of them are union shops. Right. There, there are no union shops in the United States that I could truly consider a sweatshop. Um, and and we're going to get to a point in this conversation yeah. where we talk about union workers who are not working in great environments, and 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 we'll we'll explore that. But health and safety, workplace safety, is a
1: big factor, a, a big difference maker between union and non-union. And we have we have safety stewards on our on our shop floor to help us address issues with safety in the workplace. And it's it's important to be able to identify an issue and raise your hand on it to make sure you and your coworkers stay safe.
0: Right. So our ability to call on the union as workers um, for for help isn't just confined to contractual Labor. issues. Labor. Yeah. Not just not just confined to those things, right? To to the way you're treated, to the wages, wages, hours, working conditions, right? Um, safety is a big deal and and it's something that we can raise our hand on and voice our concerns about so there was a study done by a couple of guys by the names of john bauer and jay timmons roberts so these guys did a study on workplace safety and i'm gonna i'm gonna read you a quote from the findings of their study they said quote Only one factor effectively moves workers who are in subordinate positions to actively cope with hazards, and that's membership in an independent labor union. These findings suggest that union growth indirectly reduces job stress by giving workers the voice to cope effectively with job hazards.
1: Wow, I like that.
0: So this is a finding from a study, right? Basically saying that because you're a member in a union, you're not only physically safer— but you're mentally more healthy, right? Yeah. So listen, we can talk all day about the advantages of union membership to the actual members, right, to the actual workers. But something that is, is widely argued by union detractors, right, those, those people out there who yeah. don't like us and, and want to talk about why we shouldn't be around— employers benefit from our existence as well. And you can argue it all you want, but the, the numbers, the statistics studies prove that union workplaces benefit the employer. Uh, and in several ways, productivity. So in a study by Brown and Meadoff, they determined that union workplaces, are twenty two percent more productive than non union workplaces in the United States. Why is that? Why why would we be more productive just because we're union? A happier workforce, a less stressed workforce. Yeah. So a happy workforce is a productive workforce. We say it all the time, yeah. right? When when I argue grievances, I say it all the time. If it has something to do with worker worker um, you know the, the contentment of yeah. the worker, I talk about that. A happy workforce is a productive workforce and it's true so in a union environment you're happier so you're more productive but that's not all it is a better paid workforce yeah i believe makes a big difference which i think trans translates into happiness right so your pay makes you more happy with your job so you're going to be more productive but but because unions get you that better pay better benefits you're more inclined to stick around absolutely
1: right turnover
0: yeah less turnover and less turnover equals a better trained workforce right because because a a guy or a girl with 20 years experience on the job is gonna be more knowledgeable than a guy or a girl who's been there a year right so at a place like Amazon, yeah, where they're turning over on average every twelve months, they never get that seasoned employee. Exactly. So they're constantly in training mode. They're constantly training their employees, and that's not going to translate into a productive workforce. That tribal knowledge is very important. No question, especially. It, so if we're talking to Sikorsky aircraft workers, especially in a place like where absolutely. we absolutely right. You, I mean, tribal knowledge is everything at Sikorsky Aircraft.
1: We are the best at what we do
2: when you have that turnover you don't have the knowledge the union knowledge that carries on so you don't have ha- you don't have yeah. the understanding of you're at, you're definitely at a labor disadvantage yeah
0: yeah it, it's it's all of that right one thing that and and I keep saying one thing so it's several things that we don't always talk about but one thing that comes to mind is that inherently unions promote communication between the workforce and management yes right it's just it's inherently part of what we do we establish really solid lines of communications and um because we develop that kind of worker management communication system it that that enhances the workers input on the day-to-day operations of the business right workers now have not only the means, but they feel comfortable talking to management about how to improve the business. And because they are comfortable and because they have that line of communications open, they're going to, they're going to do that. And if management is smart, they're going to listen to folks like that, right? Because we have a vested interest in the business. We absolutely do. Yeah. So, we, we want the business to succeed so that we can continue working at this place. Exactly. Right? So, so we're going to bring good ideas to management, and if they're smart, they listen to our good ideas, and they implement some of those good ideas, and and it improves business. So, yeah. this also helps the business, yeah.
2: right? That worker
0: input should be welcome from the business.
1: Yeah. There's more pride in our work.
2: Yeah. yeah, and when people know that they can't be easily fired, they they're more willing to speak freely, and they're more willing to tell you, you know, what they truly think. Yes, um, you know, we've got the grievance procedure that allows us to bring out our issues and discuss them and address them rather than let things fester. Yeah, which over time detracts from pr- productivity, detracts from getting the job done. And it makes unhappy employees. So, yes. yeah. a grievance procedure really is a place for people to get things off their chest, to work out our differences, and get back to what we're doing that makes money.
0: Yep. Instead of having a bunch of disgruntled workers who are who are you know thinking about their issues all day yes. long. I want to go back and, and talk about that turnover, right? The the lack of turnover in a union environment. We talk about how you know that. That creates a better trained workforce and a more capable workforce, a more knowledgeable workforce. But not only does that happen, but we also as unions in many cases, we negotiate into our contract more training for our members, for the workers of the company. Right. So part of a lot of collective bargaining agreements is a training regimen right? A mandate that workers be trained. This is really common in the construction industry yeah. and, and places like that. So not so much in, in ours, because, you know, I think fortunately for us, we work for an employer who, who has a handle on training yeah. and they put a, they put a premium on training. So they're looking to train us, Absolutely. right? But there are, there are industries out there, like I said, especially in, within construction, who, who, they train their workforces because the union mandates it, because they bargain that into their contracts. Um, And a lot of unions offer their own training. And we do, right? Our safety stewards go to, uh, they they go through OSHA training through the union, right? So they're trained on what they do. And so a lot of unions offer their own training. Um, I know that we have officers here at Local 1150 who do OSHA training for the construction industry. So it's unions training unions. So we kind of have this big system in place that increases training, and this helps the employers, right? So to think that unions are bad for employers, it's something that I think unions need to work on i don't know if we can do a better job of it of sending that message because listen employers always want control yes so they're always going to say hey unions are no good but um the the fact of the matter is that we're out there trying to make the businesses succeed
2: so that we can prosper
1: right exactly
0: unions don't prosper without without the employer
2: first prospering yes think some of it comes down to what is the employer looking for too right Sikorsky wants to have well-trained good employees who are the best at what they do versus a company like Amazon they're looking for people that they could just turn over every 12 months and
1: and really put no value on yeah workhorses no question when you invest in your employees it makes the business better yeah so we talk about
0: wage and benefit increases right or we talk about The advantages as far as wages and benefits to union membership, Um, and and it's not just one for one, right? It's not just union versus non-union. There are segments of society who benefit even greater from union
2: membership, and I think Jason's got some stats for us on that. AFSME said that union members make 19.4% more, and these numbers can vary based on what statistics and segments of the industry you're looking at. But under this study, as a baseline being 19.4, they then looked at different subsets and they were able to see that for women, it actually increases to 23.8% more for union versus Mm -hmm. non-union. For African Americans, that went up to 26% more for union versus non-union. And for Hispanic Americans, it went all the way up to 39.2% more for African Americans, or I'm sorry, for Hispanic Americans that are union versus non-union. So the difference that the union makes in different uh, groups can be drastically greater than, you know, it is for the baseline.
0: Yeah, so essentially all minority groups are doing
2: even better yeah. under yeah. unions. And that's because we treat all our members the same. Exactly. Everybody's on the same pay scale. Everybody yeah. has the same opportunities regardless of, you know, race, religion, sex, yep. so or any e- other protected class.
0: So obviously the y- you can say that equality is something that, that unions promote as well.
2: Absolutely. That's We're right. all in it together. Yeah. And just the access, you know, we talked about benefits before, but the access to good benefits. So it's not just having access to a medical plan, um, but union members, about 56% had access to vision benefits versus 24% of non-union people, which is pretty crazy when you think about the quality of the benefits you're getting. Uh, When you look at dental, 74% versus 50%. um, And then Access to prescription benefits was 93% for union people versus 67% for non-union. Wow. Wow. So it is a big difference in what you're getting. It really is. So one of the things that that bugs me
0: um, is when even union workers talk about And I've heard this. I've heard it in in our own shops from our own members. Workers who say, well, you know, we don't really need unions anymore. Right. That bugs me too. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to ignore what's going on out there and say unions are no longer relevant. Listen, just because we're not, we're not in the age of, you know, the coal mining industry who's killing people with black lung disease by the, by the thousands doesn't mean that we're not needed. Right. In fact, there are, there are things going on out there right now with employers even unionized employers who are mistreating their workers if anyone out there thinks that Sikorsky Aircraft and Lockheed Martin would treat you the way they treat you without a union intervening you're thinking wrong yeah they absolutely would not yeah. And, and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna badmouth our employer and say that they would abuse us because I don't know if that's the yeah. case but we certainly would not be enjoying the wages hours and working conditions that we enjoy today
1: exactly without a union I Do mean you? one thing for sure is we we would probably make be making a lower wage yeah, and we'll, that's something I think we could safely say
2: yep Yeah, I mean, we could give you a stat on how much more a union member makes, but what we can't give you a stat on is the things that the company's not doing because the union is here and the union is watching. The union's protecting your rights, protecting your contract. And that's not measurable. Right, yeah. Right. It's It's not not measurable,
0: measurable. but it's something that we know. Yeah,
2: anybody who thinks you don't need a union, if you got rid of them, I bet in 12 months you'd be sitting here (laughs) trying to form a union. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So in my opinion, anyone who thinks that you don't need a union, should take a look at some of the stuff that's just happened recently in the news. Yeah. If you're paying attention, if you're watching um, labor news, right, if you're paying attention to unions out there, uh, you know that there have been a couple of strikes recently. Frito-Lay. Yes. And Nabisco, Yeah. Two unionized companies uh, where the workers went on strike over some pretty horrible working conditions. What do we know
1: about that? 600 workers in Topeka, Kansas, went on strike for three weeks at Frito-Lay. The strike began on July 5th and ended on July 23rd of 2021.
0: I've read about this. I've seen some videos.
1: A lot of the workers' demands were over quality of life, especially uh, as far as spending time with their family. They were forced to do mandatory overtime and only have eight hours between shifts.
0: Yeah, these guys were working. They were being asked to work like seven days a week, right? Seven days a week, Not twelve ask. hour shifts. Not asked,
1: mandatory. Yeah,
0: mandatory overtime, um, mandatory twelve hour
1: shifts, uh, to the point where there were suicides, right, Vin? Yes, there were some people who committed suicide because they had, they they couldn't take working that much. What triggered the the high demand of overtime was the demand for snacks coming up because of the pandemic
0: so so yeah so all those folks out there that are gaining weight during the pandemic right yes. sitting at home um especially in the beginning not working right so a lot of people were out of work at the beginning of the pandemic and and so they're sitting home and they're eating snack foods and literally it increased the demand for snack foods to the point where frito-lay was forcing their workers to work 60 to 80 hours a week right yeah
1: double what what the average worker works. The strike was called after the company put a proposal on the table for a 2% increase in a 60-hour work week cap but still forcing the workers to work overtime.
0: So they were actually in contract negotiations. Yes,
1: and they rejected that contract uh, proposal.
0: And and the 2% increase that they proposed was wasn't it like the first wage increase in a decade for some
1: people yeah it was for it was a very long time since anybody received an increase
0: right so we haven't given you guys a raise in 10 years and here's two percent here's a raise that doesn't even keep up with inflation for one year
1: the shifts referred to by the workers as suicide shifts but the company referred to them as squeeze shifts and what does that mean do we even know what that means squeeze shifts well that we're back to the eight hours between shifts, eight hours between shifts.
0: So if you're thinking about that, right, you have eight hours in between the, the time you have to, you're leaving work and the time you have to be back at work. A, a lot of people require eight hours of sleep a night, but yeah. obviously these folks weren't getting that, right? Because you have to travel in between home and work. You have to have dinner. You're probably going to want to you know spend some time with your family exactly so now you're down to you know a handful of hours of sleep per night in between shifts that are taking you up to possibly an 80 hour work
1: week workers would clock in at 7 a.m and until and, and 3 p.m but be forced to work four hours of overtime then the company would bring you in at three in the morning the next day
0: so you're done at at 7
2: p.m yeah. And you have to be back in work at 3 a.m. The same type of thing is going on at Nabisco as well right now. Yes. They, they've they got people out on strike. The company wants to force 12-hour days, 7-day work weeks, and they want to take away overtime pay. And this is at a time where uh, Mandela's International, who owns Oreo and all those companies, they reported a 12% gain in revenue for the three months ending in June compared with the previous year. So mm-hmm. – they're going up twelve percent, but they only want to share, you know, peanuts.
1: Mandela's Mond- International reported in the second quarter of 2021 they made 5.5 billion in profits. Good lord! And spent 1.5 billion on stock buybacks in the first half of 2021.
0: So here are a couple of companies, right? And and, and it it's interesting that that they're a couple of snack food companies. Yes. Who who are profiting? like crazy from the pandemic and they're they're squeezing their employees for overtime they're they're squeezing time away from their families um quality of life and and they're not giving anything back right they're not sharing in in the good fortune that the company is
1: enjoying and this is a this is something I found, and I it, it actually drives me kind of nuts, is that at Frito-Lay, they offer paternity leave to all, all employees except for ones that work in union plants.
0: So this is a direct attack yes. on wow. unions. That's amazing. So, so yeah, you guys get time off, but um, the folks that are in a union don't.
1: A negotiator actually told the workers at Frito-Lay it's not that the company can't afford the raises, but he was there to protect the stockholders' investment. Wow. <laughs>
2: wow. Yeah, so Nabisco bakeries and distribution centers are now on strike. All of them are now on strike. Yes. So this is a nationwide strike? Uh, well, there's five distribution centers on this map. Uh, Georgia, Virginia, Illinois, Colorado, and Oregon.
1: Yes, I believe Georgia just joined the strike. I believe last week, Chicago joined the strike. Wow. The CEO for the parent company of Nabisco received $16 million in total compensation in 2020, 554 times the company's median employee employee pay of $31,000 a year. So how many times the pay? 554. 554
0: times the average worker's pay. And this is a company that's asking for concessions from their employees. Yes.
1: It's, yeah. cr- it's right? insane.
0: Do the math. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a Sikorsky aircraft worker, do the math. How much do you make a year? Multiply that by, tell me again, Vinny, 500 and what? 44. 544 times. Multiply that by 544 times. It's disgusting. It's disgusting that, that these people are completely disconnected with reality right they're completely disconnected from what it means to be a worker in this country what it means to go grocery shopping to pay to pay a a mortgage that you know it it might be a little bit difficult for you to to pay right there they have no idea
2: and is that amount truly tied to the value that they provide the business right
1: i'm sure it's not there's no way the ceo is working 544 times harder than a worker inside the shop yeah i know people like to say that but there's no way no and listen there's there, there's value in the the,
0: the decision-making power that sure. they have right there's value in that and certainly no one here in this room is suggesting that a ceo shouldn't make more money no, than the average absolutely. worker but and 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 I'll even say they should make a lot more than the average worker, right? They're running the business. They're responsible for the success or failure of that business. Um, But it seems to me that all of them, bar none, all of them will take credit for the success of the business and make excuses about the failures. Absolutely. And and I'll even go as far as to say they take credit for the success of the business and they blame us, the worker, for the failures. Yeah, exactly.
1: I would say, to be fair... Maybe something like 50 times that the uh, average worker would think would be good for a CEO. I might be a little on the low side, but I don't care.
0: Well, I think you're a little bit on the high
1: side.
2: You yeah, know, I think the saddest part, too, is you see over the past year with the pandemic which industries are having strikes, which industries are being affected. And you're seeing it in food industries, you're seeing it in healthcare industries yes. with nurses. And you're seeing it in companies like Amazon that provide logistics and deliver packages to people home. These are all essential businesses that everybody depended on throughout the the pandemic. And all of these companies are blaming a pandemic where they've made record profits. And they're saying, you know, feel bad for us. And, you know, we don't have any money left for the worker. Steve, I'm sure a lot of people listening are thinking, you know. If a worker is easily replaced, you know, we live in a system of capitalism. Maybe that's a good thing. You replace them and, you know, lower costs. And that's evolution in business. Um, But that money then basically just sits in a CEO's bank account while he's making Buku money. Yeah. And at the same time, this is one of the biggest criticisms of companies like Walmart. We then subsidize the wages of people that are being underpaid. Um, We don't live in a society where somebody shows up in an ER and we say, sorry, no health coverage. Go, you know, go die in an alley. We take people in and then that cost is dispersed amongst everybody else. Exactly. So would you rather see that money parked in somebody's bank account who has way more than they need? Or would you rather see an essential worker who gets up and goes to work through a pandemic have the money they need to support their own family so they're not a drag on your tax dollar?
1: I'd rather see the money in the workers' hands, and that stimulates our economy by people going out and spending money. And when they have more money to spend, they're going to spend it elsewhere,
0: right? Within reason, right? Because let's face it, these CEOs have plenty of money to spend. Yes, in fact, they have too much money, they have more money than they can reasonably spend. So, most of their dollars, most of what they're earning um and if you could see me i'm putting earning yeah. in quotation marks cuz i'm not sure they're earning what they're getting paid i don't think they are
1: but but their their pay is not stimulating the economy no. but right a family you know wage workers they're going, to spend, they're going to spend their money, and if they have a little bit to save, they're going to save, but most of the time they're going to go out and stimulate our economy.
2: Yeah, it pains me to say it, but if I can choose between a family having good health care coverage and a car to drive to work and a retirement so that they're not homeless at the age of 75, I'd rather that than Bezos spend 10 minutes uh, floating in the air. Exactly. Same <laughs>
1: here. Playing with his toys in space. Here, here.
2: But props to his wife for donating all that money.
1: Oh, absolutely. That was the right thing to do. Shows
2: you how different two people could be. Yeah, exactly. In the same exact circumstances, right? right? I'll take half your money
0: and I'll donate it. Yeah. (laughs) You very subtly mentioned the nursing industry, right? It's disgusting that these companies are they're actually spending millions of dollars making commercials that say, oh, we love our nurses and let's honor our nurses and our doctors and all of the healthcare workers. Yeah. And then when they're in contract negotiations with those very same people, they're screwing them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They want I, to call them heroes, but they're not paying them like heroes. No. Oh, yeah, I can't even tell you
2: how many nurses were contact traced and had to use vacation time to, That's cover, to cover being ill. Right,
0: and and if that's not a workplace injury or illness, I don't know what yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Right, you're a COVID nurse and you get you get COVID, and it that's that's not workers' compensation. Yep, that's not covered. Um, it, it's disgusting. Uh, so so the discussion is that very realistically, unions are still needed in this country, right? Absolutely. And and all of these things that we're talking about right now are keep in mind are unionized workplaces people are being forced to work 80 hour work week in a unionized company they are members of unions yeah. and they're being forced to work 40 hours a week overtime yeah so so imagine what that workplace would look like if there wasn't a union there.
1: yeah exactly and
0: listen the union went out on strike right the union said enough is enough and, and took its workers out on strike, and rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. Right, you, that's a workplace that needs change. Um, but even still, they settled that strike for a contract that still included mandatory overtime. Yeah, they did. So I, I'm not sure how that happens, but, you know, that's just me. But again, imagine what these places would look like without a union. This is not an employer who is likely to welcome criticism, welcome input from the worker, right? They're, they're more along the lines of an Amazon who says, hey, you're going to do what you're told. You're going to do it as fast as you're told and as often as you're told, or there's the door, right? Yeah. So without the, the checks and balances that a union provides... They would be rogue. They would be going crazy in there, literally abusing workers on a daily basis.
2: The union advocates for you to get your piece of the pie. Yeah. And, and we all band together to demand that. Exactly. But even in 2020, they took a look at CEO pay and Fast Company reported uh, CEO pay rose by 16% in 2020 versus the average workers' compensation rose by just 1.8%. Hmm.
1: Not even keeping up with inflation.
2: So it's crazy to think about the difference, and it's year over year. So, So again, for folks that are listening to this,
0: union workers who are listening to this, please understand that unions are a vital part of the fabric of this country, right? And we should be looking to grow our ranks, not joining in the conversation about why we're obsolete because we're not obsolete, right? We're still fighting on a daily basis that inclination from corporate America to look at us as purely a resource for their profits, right? A way, a means for them to increase their profits. And, and I think of all the, the, the stats, Jason, that you've thrown out today, That right there, that last one about the fact that CEO pay rose how much? 16%. 16%. In a year where we struggled. Yeah, exactly. Business struggled across the board um, in in 2020,
1: but CEOs still took a bigger slice of the pie. I mean, workers struggled. They were losing their jobs. Uh, Small businesses struggled. It's like everybody struggled except for it seems like CEOs.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow when a CEO using the restroom at work equates to more than your pay raises for a Yeah, contract.
0: exactly. So it, it's a conversation I think um, I could have all day long. Do we have anything else to talk about as far as these strikes go?
1: Here's a statistic about the Nabisco plant in Chicago. that ha- This happened in 2016. They had mass layoffs. They presented the uh, the workers with an ultimatum to take a 60% cut in wages and benefits or face a huge reduction in the workforce. So a lot of workers refused, and around 500 people lost their jobs. So
0: that's a tactic that it, it's pretty gutsy to use, right, I think. But... But it's a tactic that companies use all the time, and we saw it back in 2016, exactly. where a company that's in that's in an advantageous position says, "Hey, workers, here's the deal: do this, give us concessions, or you're going to lose your jobs. Yep. Right? We're going to reduce jobs. We're going to we're going to lay people off if you don't do what we tell you to do. So th- the idea that this company said, take a sixty percent cut in pay, is it's disgusting. And the only answer is no. Yeah, right? exactly. It's the only answer in a situation like that. But 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 these are the kinds of things that these big and powerful companies do, right? They hold the majority of the cards. Even when you have a union in the workplace, the employer holds the majority of the cards because it's the business that we rely on as workers well
2: and that takes us back to just the general theme here is what does a union do for me well if you're in that situation where they're demanding those concessions and you're not in a union you're in a much worse position to try and bargain with them
0: well it, it there is no bargaining right if right. you're not in a union it's hey um joe worker you you're coming to work on monday at sixty percent less than you left work
2: on friday yeah Yep. Yeah right there is no asking for concessions they're just going to adjust your pay yeah and going back to why do i need a union well also why do i need a strong union because if we have a strong union with solidarity solidarity and everybody's sticking together we can fight back against that and the company's going to be more concerned about bringing those ultimatums to the table exactly solidarity is everything they don't want to piss off their entire workforce
0: right and and listen let's be honest right for for everybody listening let's be honest it, it's easier in a place like Sikorsky aircraft because the majority of us who are in Teamsters Local 1150 members of that union are skilled workers yeah right exactly. so so we can't just be replaced but the the fact of the matter is that at a place like Nabisco or at a place like Frito-Lay where you're maybe putting bags of chips in a box and taping up the box and putting it on a truck. You know, I I don't want to disparage those workers because that's not the the point of my comment, but that worker is easier to replace than we are. Yeah. Right. So, and, and I say this because that makes their union even more vital. Yes. Right. right? A place like that really needs protection. Those workers need a lot of protection because turnover is easier for the employer. Yeah. It's easier to handle for the employer, again, like Amazon, right? Amazon, they're just going to turn their workers over and over and over um, and and continue to utilize them the way they do. So good conversation. Um, I think there's more to be said about this subject, but I think we've said enough for today. Please remember... Comments, questions, suggestions for future episodes, email us at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Give us your suggestions. Give us your comments. um, And we'd love to talk about some other stuff, right? If if you're not done talking about this subject, tell us what you want to hear. But I think right now it's time for our contest.
1: So this week's contest question is, when unions were fighting for recognition of Labor Day... What one thing did the unions disagree on? Good question. So if you know the answer, email us
0: at comms at teamsters1150.org, comms at teamsters1150.org. Give us your answer. Include your name and contact information so that we can uh, let you know whether or not you won. We're going to put all the right answers in a hat and pick at random one winner, and you're going to win some cool stuff from Teamsters Local 1150. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening again. Thanks for downloading and continue to do that. Uh, each Monday, we're going to drop a new episode. Um, and thanks for being here. I'm Steve Thank French.
1: You. I'm Benny Caiti. And we'll see you next time.